0: not coming down. I never left it on the ground. I'm not coming down. I wanna go higher, higher, higher than that. Hello, this is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast. And I'm super glad that you're here today because we have my friend Rachel Randolph on the show today. And we met when she eavesdropped on my conversation in a coffee shop. And I am so thrilled that we've become friends and business partners and just great humans doing great work together. Hey, Rachel, how's it going? Hey, it's good.
1: That's such an on-brand intro for me too. <laughs> great humans doing great things in and around each other's orbit.
0: Amen. 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 That was a, and you know, I'm, you and I share in this that we just kind of decide who we vibe with and go with it and don't think too much about it. And it didn't even catch me off guard that you leaned over, um, you were sitting behind me and I was having a conversation with somebody and when he left, you just, you just turned around and like, just asked me a question about something we had talked about. And it didn't even like hit my radar that it was bad or weird because that's totally something that I would do too I'm like oh yay she's my people
1: yeah yeah that's definitely on brand for me too except for recently I'm really curious or more cognizant of my energy and I'm not so sure I would have I would have done that because I might have like projected or forward thought I don't know she really wants me to talk to her like she just got out of this big long meeting so in hindsight, I actually see that in a couple different ways too. Especially with the work I do, is like, how would how many different directions could that have gone, and would I have been okay with either not doing it or a different response from you? So it's actually pretty. It's a great case study.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the work that I do. Well, tell us, a, tell our listeners a little bit about the work that you're doing right now, and we'll talk a little bit how that fits in the broader context
1: yeah absolutely so i'm an introspective communication coach and what that means is i help people kind of unscramble their minds thoughts feelings emotions and life current life circumstances in order to gain clarity and communicate more effectively with those they're in relationship with again in their present life not who they want or where they were but where they are today i coach on life and introspect on current situations. And so my coaching looks a lot like question and asking me and then they ask me and I might send that question back to them in a different way. So there's lots of reframing, lots of breakdowns of what the action items to get clear on things actually are. And so someone who might come to me is somebody who feels overwhelmed with life, business, balance thinks that there's a thing called life work balance. And what we kind of get to the bottom of is and through introspection and self-awareness is that life work balance doesn't really exist. They are in deep cahoots with each other and interact with each other very intricately. And so if they come to me for work overwhelm, it carries over into this clarity and this introspection practice that I teach them and walk them through carries over into their business or their work or their life and then vice versa. And so it's basically, I'm called the, the mind unscrambler from my clients. They're like, you took whatever was going on in there and you laid it all out. And I was able to break down the steps to getting what I wanted to do or or achieving my goal, which is essentially all coaching is like that. And it just depends on the vibe and who you choose to participate in it from. And I think of myself more as a football coach than anything else. It's like, I'm going to write out, we're going to write out the play together, but I'm going to work with you on implementing the play. I I don't have the muscles and the things, and I'm not as young as I used to be, but I have all this know-how and how I've done it for myself. And that's what I teach you and then walk you through. And we tweak and fix and go back to the drawing board and re-come up with plays the whole time. I don't leave you to die.
0: Well, and that's, again, I go back to how we first met the alignment that you and I have, even though we were complete strangers before that moment, you're, you're saying what I say in reflection and connection that you have to know yourself first to know how you're going to respond in connection, whether it's business or our, um, home or whatever the situation. And it, it, it's also, important that we recognize that how we show up attracts the people that we really should be with. And so if we're unwilling or unable to be ourselves, we're probably going to struggle in connection because we're not attracting the kind of people that are meant to be more authentic part of our relationships. And that that goes all the way back to the career coaching that I do. Don't you want to work in a role or for a company where you're a good fit, not just for the work, but for their culture and their vibe and, and who you're around every day? Yeah, it definitely stems back to, I call
1: it the com we the common denominator. So I was okay with myself enough to bridge the gap between you and I and introduce myself and, and talk to you. So yeah. case in point, and that's kind of like, that's applied to everything though. My ability to trust myself in that scenario is exactly my ability to do anything that I've done in my life. And so creating... You know, what it is to create this life of our dreams and what in our ideal lives is really based off of the and to the extent of our abilities to be self-aware and ask ourselves these questions and be satisfied or or not with our answers and then move forward from there in relationship with others, in relationship romantically, in career, in, in whatever we decide to put that energy into Coming from, again, that clarity.
0: And I think it's when we're not okay with how things are going is the real test of are you willing to implement change, right? Um, I just had a client, a new client, call me today. We've been talking on and off for a year. And I knew a year ago that she was dealing with some various levels of dissatisfaction. And she was just, she was following some of that around trying to figure out where she had the ability to implement change and where she didn't in her current work environment. And she's a well-paid, badass executive, really could, infinite number of things she could do. But it took a year and she called me today and her tone was different. Her everything was different. And she was like, let's go. She's ready, right? So there's this readiness factor that either the discomfort gets so great or your awareness gets so great. And I think that's what I love the most is her awareness had grown to the point where she was like, yep, I've I've chased all the other avenues. I've looked down all the other paths and I've decided it's not going to work for me here. Let's help me implement some change. And I, I got so excited. I like did the whole like happy dance afterwards. Like, yeah, because I can't wait to work with her.
1: Right, and it's way it's way more fun. I found that when I swim downstream with way less stuff in my backpack, it is so much easier. And that backpack is full of either people that are initiated, friends that have my best interest in mind, boundaries with people who don't. There it's made up of things that make this ideal life and situation it, conducive to me enjoying it really like yeah, am yeah. I doing everything in my power to enjoy my day today? day not my future not my past or wish it was different or wish it could be different it's like what do I have going on right now and that's the awareness that we can either like yeah I need a coach woo let's go and then the coach is like yeah cool like I'm super ready I know we can do this yeah. and I heard a quote from one of these amazing Instagram live accounts mm-hmm. that are just putting up I couldn't even tell you what it is, but I've just got a lot of good stuff going on in the Instagram feeds. And one of them was saying, far easier to leave the initiated than activate the uninitiated. Oh, yes. That's good.
0: That's, yep. a, that's That summarizes exactly what we just said. That's great. Yeah, it really does. Well, and when we met, gosh, that was three three years ago, probably. This time yeah. is such a weird warp with the whole quarantine life. But I think I guess- it was three years ago almost
1: 20, yeah 2017 wow. like the end of 2017 at caffeine and you were with someone and i was with someone and then that person left and my person wasn't there yet and i was like I think it was like an hour. Like we
0: talked, we first. talked for a while, and then we met again and had coffee. And and what's interesting is you have made some changes in your life since we met the first time. Because we went and had coffee, I think a few weeks later, and I got to know you um, more. And since then, I've watched you really be intentional with your life and your choices, and to the point where you're currently living in a van yeah yeah <laughs> i love it It the,
1: the big honestly the big i word rebecca it's just the intention just comes there's no like and then what is intention and an energy focused in one particular area that is so where do you decide to put attention where do you decide to put your energy and i've wanted this for years and i create like I don't know if you want to go into it yet, but yeah, like how please. this
0: happened. Was please. Just- how did you go from, know. you were working for an organization. You had a, you know, a job with somebody when we met to now yeah, today, three years later, running your own successful coaching business and bought a van and going to go travel and live out of the van. Tell us the story. How, how did this all play out? Yeah, I,
1: intention is definitely where it started but a little bit more further back and a layer back is um man i've been really craving telling somebody this so i'm just going to tell you this but childhood has so much to do with these things um that play out late into later in life and i'm really really coming to honor some of the things that happened to me in my earlier days that are direct stems from and roots how my basically how my mindset and psyche is today and one of those things is my 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 father when i was maybe four or five i was running around i was a really rambunctious kid and he's like you know like a dad like i'm a little girl and he's a big dad and he looks down at me and goes you're a problem for running around for being rambunctious for not listening i'm sure and it's so vivid in my mind how the trajectory of being called a problem by the person who was supposed to like love and support me the most and just how that wasn't happening and so i had to find ways to survive outside of that uh outside of safety outside of care and love and concern from the people who it was expected from when i didn't know any better and so independence is kind of born from that, this byproduct of not being able to depend on people that are your primary caretakers. And we could go, like, I could go on and on forever about all, that has a lot to do with the different directions and codependency that comes from these and anxiety attachments. But what I'm focusing on picking apart and introspecting about now, which is in direct integration in this van life thing is this independence was born from something that was actually not so pretty or glamorous for most right. of my
0: life. Painful, stress, Painful. trauma.
1: Yeah, in earlier early 20s, like just relationships, people pleasing well into the organization that I was working for before I met you or when I met you. And this like this independence and confidence and self-esteem that kind of was forged in this pain and abandonment, essentially. I haven't cracked out of that into doing anything intentional really until my, this last three or four years, especially with my company, because, you know, spec is also my work. I am never more than or less than or above the introspective communication coaching that I do. It is, that's why it's not named Rachel Randolph coaching. It's like, I'm a client of myself. I have to learn how to lead and coach myself and with the work that I do. And it, it works because I create things that are out of nowhere. I make the impossible happen through communication and in this intersection. So, and that's why I teach people is like, okay, like I, from this really scattered, unsure state, not knowing what I want to do and really afraid of the unknown to my self-awareness of this, to my intersection, to my application. Okay. Did it and copying and pasting that to all different things. But to circle back into the independence, it's really been reflecting on like, this independence has made me be able to do a lot of things that other people might admire or think are amazing and that I'm very brave doing. But also the other side of that is that independence might be forged out of something that was very painful and traumatic for people and i think it's really really important to talk about when we're talking about making our dreams come true and how we get the mindsets that we get at any various parts of our lives when we get them is you know maybe i looked that way and i looked like i had it all together in my early 20s and i was miserable but it looked really good and i'm really cute and i'm like got it all together and and that independence maybe was kind of operating out of a cadence that was pretty unhealthy and not until being in my late 20s when I've been able to apply this independence and intention and communication towards my dreams in a positive way that I've been able to see see the other side yeah. of and actually articulate this awareness of this wonderful thing of independence and confidence has had a underlying struggle, which yeah. I think everyone on the other side of it can talk about like, you know, well, I was rags to riches stories are, are, are everywhere and there's a lot of information out there and advice on getting over it. But I think what I'm trying to do is right now, especially with like my newsletter and my work and writing is being like, I'm in it right now, I'm in my work, I'm in this intersection to get clarity on what my next step is and how did I make this van life thing happen? and it was from this intention and okay how many layers back do i need to go to repeat this so i'm constantly in the most meaningful and vibrant and not uh, happiness is not necessarily the aim anymore which is another thing that's come out of this is like living a deeply connected vibrant life is the aim and that doesn't that means facing some dark painful things and One of those things stemmed from your question is like, I, I haven't been that way for the right reasons my whole life up until now.
0: Oh my gosh. I resonate so deeply with this, Rachel. I, there's been a quote going around on Facebook and Instagram recently about, um, how, Fierce independence is often rooted in trauma. and it's and it's a it's a pretty lengthy quote, but I it, and it's probably been shared through my feed no less than fifteen times in the last three or four months. So this topic is really resonating with people because they continue to share it. And I have said for decades because of some personal experiences and some people that I love and know, that when you have that kind of hurt, you put up these walls of protection, which then, and and this was just stuff that I watched happen. It's not even anything I studied. I just watched it. You put up these walls of protection and it's to insulate that pain, right? And then once you become so comfortable in that isolation, letting yourself back out for connection is the riskiest thing ever because you've worked so hard to get yourself in that place of isolation and protection and build those walls around you that anybody, even people that love you are a risk. And sometimes I believe This can go all the way to narcissism. If you allow those walls to get so thick that you only believe your own thoughts and you've now isolated yourself to the point that you can't even entertain that you're wrong because that's even too hard, now you've got some real issues. And I've watched this happen to people I love. And the only reason I can say this because I've watched it from the trauma response to the borderline narcissism and thought, I get it. Like I, I hated the implications of it, and I hated what it, I hated what it did to their lives, and I hated what it did to everybody that was around these people. But I got it. I, I felt, I felt like I was just watching it happen, and I think that's just part of our natural instincts of self preservation. And that's the work that you're doing to unravel that, so that you can have meaningful connection, is beautiful, difficult struggle filled some days probably feel awful kind of stuff. And I'm so proud of you.
1: Thank you yes yeah, definitely this Van move has shown me it's taken a village, but receivership has never been more of the lesson in my life. And I I agree with you where People who struggle, and I can't speak to definitions of narcissism or sociopaths or any of the, the chemical things that are going on in there. Right. But I do totally agree that trauma, obviously, we know changes people and changes me and changes us. And I watched myself do it, and I've been unraveling that this came from this directly. And how to how to connect with people through those things is what everyone experiences or struggles with or keeps them up at night, is that they don't know how to connect with people, but they don't know how to make cracks and crack through that wall. And no one for, for better or worse is really teaching us how. You know, Talk therapy kind of largely depends on us being able to understand and articulate our feelings. So when we're asked, how do you feel, if we don't know how to put into words, our understanding and our ability to communicate is kind of thwarted and then being able to communicate with our relationships if we don't know what we think and feel because we've never gone there to find words for it it's very unreasonable to expect effective communication from people and so when we demand it when we demand authenticity and vulnerability from people who don't have the language simply don't where would they have learned it right.
0: it's not like a babble set up for your emotions there should yeah. be but they aren't. And you're not rewarded for communicating emotions or communicating when it's not your turn in our education system. So you spend all of your formative years when you're supposed to be quote unquote learning and you're learning from scripts that say, wait, raise your hand is the only time you're allowed to talk. Your opinions really shouldn't differ too strongly from your peers or your your or the people at the front of the classroom. And and it does become this this Really tough set of expectations. That unwinding that is, is crazy. I'll, I'll give you an example of exactly what you're talking about about not learning how to communicate those emotions. So a couple of days ago, my grandfather turned ninety three, and so I, I only live an hour from where I grew up. I drove home. It's me, my mom and dad, my uncles, my grandfather. My grandmother has has passed on, and. Mm-hmm. We tight knit little farm family loved each other, worked hard together, but ain't nobody talking about the feelings. We're not even saying I love you when you leave. Like I I started implementing that when I my friends in high school would do that. And I was like, that's cool. I'm gonna do that. Um, but that was not the way I was raised, right? There was love there, but love was not communicated in words and all of those things, right? So for my grandfather's birthday, I made him an egg casserole and got him a bottle of bourbon. And you know, as as you do when you're 93, those are things he 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 loves them both. And I wrote out a couple of pages handwritten uh, on just said here, here are two or three memories that means so much to me that I care. And and I just said, look, I can, I can't imagine that you've gone from the busy, hardworking life that you had your whole life to how quiet your days are now. Mm -hmm. So in, in, and what I said was in that quiet, I want you to know that your hard work still lives in me and I'm busily using it. And I just, to me, wanted to communicate. Oh, I'm going to cry wanted to communicate the value and worth that he still has today because I know that has to be so hard to be such a hardworking farm contractor tradesman guy and then be still, right? And so I just wanted him to know I'm still using that stuff. Thank you. We're all gathered around the kitchen table, right? And so, you know, he's getting his, you know, different presents and we're laughing and talking and I hand my envelope over. I go, mine's a handmade card. And somebody giggles because they think I just drew a picture or something. And when they, when he, my grandfather opened it up and saw two pages of words written on a page, Rachel, the entire table physically moved themselves back away from the table like the thing was on fire. Mm. Oh. And I, I cracked up because I'm no longer willing to just live in this dysfunction. Cause and I think it's funny now because I'm like, y'all I'm not play this. And I said, look at you guys, you are scared to death that I wrote words on a page like what? And then they realized what they had done. And there was a little bit of an uncomfortable laughter. I said, y'all can do you, but I'm going to do me too. And that means I wrote down some feelings and I'm sorry, it makes you uncomfortable. And then immediately somebody changes the subject and we moved on. But that's the, that's the problem though, is if you don't have that experience growing up, people like you and I are willing to kind of dig in and figure it out. But there's so many others that don't know where to start.
1: And that's actually a perfect lead-in. Um, can I talk about a program that I'm coming up with? Yeah, I absolutely. Like, long in yet? Yeah, that. that was a really beautiful story. And I think that what's really needed to happen right now is self leadership. Um, you led yourself despite knowing what had been done with your family and despite knowing that there might be some internal social consequences inside of your circle to do what you felt you felt called to do that was a moment of self-leadership for whatever whatever it was made up of wherever it stemmed from the work that you've had to do to get to a place where you handed him that card is no small feat Amen. And So what I'm creating is I had originally had my program called Social Life Accelerator because I was like, okay, I know I can teach people how to make some friends. And when that flopped a couple of times, I was like, there's something deeper going on that even is peeled back. Like, so I went back to the, I burned it down and I went back to the drawing board and I realized that it was self-leadership. And everything inside of there is communication, self-awareness, introspection, the ability to do things when you don't know how they'll pan out, the ability to do it scared, which is this thing that's kind of theming around my life where we, we, we trudge on despite knowing that we don't
0: know what the next thing will be. I call it the sea of uncertainty. Yeah. It's absolutely a key part of that. Exactly Mm -hmm. what we talked about or um, and it's,
1: it's not so much of, I'm not so much of the sayer of we need to do that. It's more of the how do we do that? How do I do that? And it took it took going back and seeing that, like, I didn't do it in a healthy way for a really long time. I did it before there were processes out of survival. And now that I have processes, I can see what they have in common. And it's self-leadership. Sometimes self-leadership looks like making calls that hurt other people because you need to protect yourself or you need to move the needle forward on something that not everybody agrees with self-efficacy knowing that it'll be okay to some extent you can handle life flows self-agency and government this is my decision for myself knowing that it might not make and likely won't make people happy around you who are comfortable or aren't paired for you to communicate your feelings now that you've learned these lessons and have done all this work, creating an environment conducive to continuing that work. You're creating a whole new, you're making the impossible happen through self-leadership. And so now the program's called Self-Leadership Accelerator because it's weeks building off of that foundation in
0: today's climate day to day. You just again articulated reflection and connection. It's nearly impossible to have high quality, meaningful connection that feeds your soul without knowing yourself a little bit or a lot preferred, right? Because then the connection is all about what you said earlier, people pleasing and trying to fit in and, and manipulating your own thoughts, feelings, and actions for others instead of owning our space. So I always talk about know your gifts, talents, and abilities and picture yourself holding them in your arms as literal packaged gifts. And if you know these and you can look down with love and kindness and see in your arms, these gifts that you behold, then when you go to connect with another one, whether it's a friend or a, re- or a romantic relationship or a company relationship, you come bearing gifts and you, you want to give them. You want to give them with generosity and kindness. So at, at its very simplest terms, that's your meaning and your purpose is to give them in meaningful ways. But you can't, you can't just go out saying, what gift do you want me to go build today for you? That's not the way that shit works. So that's that's an ex, that's a, I'm so glad that you pivoted there because that is that's the deep work that people need from you.
1: Yeah, and and well, from you also the connection is is such an important aspect of it, creating that environment, depending on our abilities. So all of that work it took me twenty. This is the, these are friends of a lifetime. Because of how much they give, without needing res- to receive in the same ways, mm-hmm. because they understand my ways of giving. My friend Sophia last night, I was like, oh, she just gives me less. She's a two on the enneagram, and she's a Aries. So they're my fiery givers, and I'm like, okay, you know, I know that there will be a way that I can repay you someday. And she's like, your presence is the present. Mm-hmm. I have waited my whole life for you. And it's not even waiting a whole life. It's going from that people-pleasy, independent person and still seeing her there and having people hold hold space for me. Like, I understand, Rachel, but you don't need to do that for me. You give to me in, in these ways. And, and then my ability to absorb and accept that is okay. I see you, Sophia. I know that. I know that that's important to you. So if I'm giving that to you, brilliant. We're, we're good here. This is symbiotic because Lordy knows you got me hooked up with all the essential oils and I couldn't live without her.
0: And receiving those gifts is a big part of that. You've re- you've mentioned receivership a couple of times. And, and that, that's the other part of the work that I've been doing for the past month with my coach is Because of that environment I described growing up, receiving compliments and affirmation was never learned. Mm -hmm. And so now that I'm doing big work that I am so excited about, I... I am grateful to be receiving affirmation and compliments and feedback. And I've always received affirmation and feedback on my accomplishments. I was a top sales performer. There was, you know, I got a glass award every damn year. They're in a box under my stairs right now if you want to see them someday. But it was never really affirmation and compliments on the work I had created or the, the impact that I was having from my personal heart and soul. And so when people would compliment me, I was really uncomfortable and I was deflecting a lot of it. And a part of, of what we need in order to know we're on the right path is to receive those affirmations and compliments as a sign that we are doing good work and that we should keep going. And so I had to really spend some time working on that. So each day I would sit down and think about what did I get the day before that was a compliment or an affirmation about the work that I had done or the how I had served someone in some way and to be able to journal it out and receive it and look at it and really let my subconscious know that that was okay and not just want to kick it out like it was something that I that was something foreign to me. Now, just recently, I had a couple people that had given me compliments, and I, I just sat there in it and I just looked at them and I just said, "I receive it. Mm-hmm. That's it. I receive it. I mean, oh, I'm gonna cry thinking about that too, because that feels like such growth for me not to be like, it was on sale at Target. You know how we do that. Like no matter what somebody says, you're like, let me deflect it and say yeah. that it was somebody else's some reason of something. but i'm I'm getting better at that receivership and and that is a part of the growth journey too.
1: Yeah, I could go on for hours about receivership and how important it is for
0: for self
1: leadership, because there's so much information about what track we're on. Are we on the right track? Is this something that I want? And then not deflecting when we're getting information, you are like receiving a compliment is, is information. We're doing a good job on something. And then the nature of that compliment maybe isn't what we expect and we get more fe- like feedback is very important. And I ask for it sometimes and then I've created an environment for myself where I receive it, uh, kind of naturally and, but I give it too. I give it naturally to those in my circle who, and it, it's a self care thing, which goes back to self leadership. It's like my cup is constantly full and when it's not a fricking no, and I'm like, okay, shut the phone off, shut the computer off for six hours. I need to do some damn macrame. I need to make six pot hangers, and then I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. And then I come back to the drawing board and I have nothing but like share this, post that, reflect on this, um, feature someone doing that, support this business, talk about that. And I like that comes is effortless because of this giver and receivership. Yeah kind of being in in tandem with each other. They're in a dance that you can't just give, give, give. There's also receive, receive, receive. Because there's an understanding of when, I guess maybe cultivating part of the mindset of understanding that when you give, you will receive, you can receive. Yeah. When you don't feel comfortable giving or you don't feel like you're giving enough, you need to give to yourself. When you feel spread thin, give to yourself then filling that cup you have plenty and it's probably part of everyone listening's core values to be of service to others i can't imagine that anyone listening to the badass women's council isn't invested in serving others and so understanding that service to others is a natural byproduct of receivership and self-care is one of the most pivotal mindset shifts that i ever had or came to is like
0: the more happy i am everyone everyone and it's not selfish it's not ego it's not wrong i did this last night i have a big event coming up on april 20th the stand tall in your story event which you were so gracious to help me with last year on a last minute phone call please come help me um I am in the throes of it right now. I mean, my list is a mile long and my brain is busy. And last night about eight o'clock, I put myself to bed. I just said, I was hoping you'd say yeah, that. Or, Originally I was like, okay, get, get these, you know, this done and this done, stay up late, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I just checked in with myself and I was like, nope, not going to happen. And I just rested. And then this morning, ready to roll it's all good. And you know what's so interesting? My list looks far less daunting at 7 a.m. than it did staring at it at eight o'clock and making the decision to go. Had I stayed up late and worked on things, it would have been shit work that I would have wanted to redo and not been proud of.
1: I Totally, totally applaud that. And we need to normalize that story and, and mindset shift of like, it may be shifted by 10 hours. And also what I want to note is when you said that the list didn't look as daunting anymore. I said that today, I was like, I have a lot of work. I have a lot of work. And I was like, what good is it or use is it for me to be saying I have a lot of work? All I'm doing now is thinking about having a lot of work. So I said, I don't have a lot of work. I have a few things that are really, really important and I really want to do. I don't have the energy to do them right now. I don't have that much work. I have important work. And that kind of unlocked a little bit of a break inside of me where I was like, I can go to lunch with my friend and I've got this thing going on today, but also taking the rest of the day off because like you would said, and which is perfect for people to to normalize hearing this from people who are high achieving. is like, oh, yeah, I took a 10. I took a big break. I took a break. And I actually don't have a lot of work because I'm choosing not to say that about it. I'm choosing to shift how I frame this to-do list. It's important work. It's good for the world, but I'm tired.
0: (laughs) And that's that's story. That's narrative. That's when I talk about staying tall in your story, it's we own our story. We get to write our story chapter by chapter. Oh my gosh, we could do this for days. I'm I'm just looking at the clock and realizing, holy schmoly, we've got to wrap up. We didn't, and here's what I love about us too. This isn't really what we thought. We, it's sort of what we thought we were going to talk about, but you know what we ended up doing? We went to the place where I know more people need what we just talked about than what we would have planned because we just let our hearts lead with that, so.
1: Yeah, and the, the rest aspect and the receivership and I, being aware of where our gifts and talents come from is what's on my heart right now because i'm i burnt myself out i just didn't i just didn't adjust my self-care practice to my new space and it caught up with me so I'm, so it's on my heart right now to like what can i do to prevent burnout as a high achieving high performer independent brave little five foot one package of things like i love that, it And like how do I do this
0: and well let's check in again as you head off on your journey you're headed to Arizona in the van here pretty soon right over the next few days or weeks or something I'm under a week Okay. okay so let's check in so when you get there or you get somewhere and you've got a little bit of time to donate um just text me and say hey let's let's jump on a follow up podcast and I'll tell you about van life I would love that
1: yeah there's so much I want to share with people but I've been off social media for almost a week um, I'm on it for like DMs but so DM me and I'm still checking it but I'm not posting because there's just so much to reflect on that to keep up with the demands of what I want to say is was overwhelming i was like none of this is cohesive i
0: i need to sit in it for a minute and the people can wait that's right it'll be even better because you took the time thank you for being here and thank you for being you thank you so much for having me rebecca this was a great conversation yay all right make it a great day i'm not coming down i never left it on the ground i'm not coming down